Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters podcast, a series of candid conversations with leading experts about how individuals and organizations can grow and protect their finances, tailored around current events and trends. Here's your host for today's podcast, Brian Peterangelo. Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, November 18th, 2022. I'm Brian Peterangelo, and welcome to the podcast. As a program note, we will be taking a break from the podcast next Friday, and on behalf of all of us here at Key, we'd like to wish everyone a happy and healthy Thanksgiving next week, taking the opportunity to spend quality time with family and friends. With me today, I'd like to introduce our panel of investing experts here to provide their insights on this week's market activity. George Mateo, Chief Investment Officer, Steve Haight, Head of Equities, and Rajiv Sharma, Head of Fixed Income. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our Key Questions article series addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. In addition, if you have any questions or need any more information, please reach out to your financial advisor. And for this week's economic news, the calendar was fairly light. On Tuesday, the producer price index of inflation showed some relief from month over month. On Wednesday, retail sales were up 1.3% from the prior month, again showing some resiliency on the consumer side in spite of inflation. On Thursday, initial unemployment claims stayed very steady, as we've talked about on this podcast for many weeks and months, again showing a little bit more resiliency in terms of the stable job market. But probably most importantly, this week there were a number of Fed speakers out talking about their commentary and their view and their perspective on where rates may need to go in terms of the Fed hiking cycle. So with that in mind, Rajiv, let's turn to you first. What'd you hear? What'd you think? And what does it mean for investors and further rate hikes? Well, it's a very interesting point. I, I think that uh, when you have the Fed coming out and saying that, uh, you know, they had a policy statement on their FOMC and they said that, uh, you know, we're going to do whatever it takes and uh, whatever it takes to control inflation. However, we're going to look at lags in the uh, data and uh, the market really loved that. Uh, they, they kind of went off on that uh, for a very long time and we saw the rally in stocks and bonds. And then you saw Fed members and you saw the uh, uh, Fed Chair Powell kind of trying to become a little hawkish at, at his press conference during the FOMC. The market kind of took back a little bit. And then we saw a CPI and PPI number last week that uh, was very strong, uh, better than expected, actually. Uh, and when you have a better expected number, the market really starts to think that the Fed is going to start to ease off on their Fed rate hikes. Uh, I think that uh, the December notion is 50 basis points December. And then the market is actually believing that the Fed is going to pause or have a pivot early next year. But none of that has really uh, come out of the mouths of any of the Fed members or any of uh, any FOMC meetings, really. I think the messaging has been very clear that we need to get inflation under control. We need to get inflation to 2%. And I think that is causing the volatility in the market right now. Uh, it is very interesting to see how the market's uh, looking at any piece of data and thinking that Fed is going to pivot. But then you have uh, St. Louis uh, Fed President Jim Bullard coming out and saying that uh, it's too early to talk about easing. And uh, whatever he said uh, this week was very hawkish actually. And that's especially after being a dove uh, for a very long time. We've heard, we've heard dovish comments out of uh, 
upset President Jim Ballard for a while, but uh, just a month ago, he was saying that uh, the uh, Fed funds rate should be in the range of four and a half to four and three quarters. And now he's saying 5% is the minimum and we could go all the way to 7%. So what has changed really? Um, I think the real issue here is the only change that's happened is the bond markets rallied, the stock markets rallied. And I feel that Fed members right now are not too comfortable with this rally. They want to kind of reel things back in, get back on the original messaging that uh, Fed Chair Powell's had, the Fed has had, and kind of it makes their job very difficult when you see a rally in the bond market and the uh, stock market. So that's why we're hearing this Fed member rhetoric. And I think we're going to continue to see this uh, rhetoric. We have other Fed members going to speak and they're going to kind of toe the line, I think, and, and really talk about, you know, we have to continue to raise rates. It's too early to ease off. And... Uh, I think it back to the Fed Chair Powell's message uh, during the press conference of the FOMC, where he said, uh, the worst thing that could happen is you, uh, you stop raising rates too early. Uh, and I think that's uh, really what the volatility we're gonna have to deal with this market going forward. So Rajiv, you know, the thing that I'm trying to wrap my head around is that a year ago, I went back and looked at this, a year ago, almost to the day, Fed funds, the rate, Fed funds rate was supposed to be around 50 basis points to 75 basis points, so less than 1%, right? That was the, kind of their crystal ball a year ago. Now their forecast calls for, as you said, four and a half to 5%. So they were off by, you know, four or five percentage points, which is just huge. Um, I mean, I guess it does suggest that some element, uh, element of humility is needed when you make these forecasts. Um, but I, I think you have to kind of, I think we have to recognize that that the Fed has become very restrictive, right? They've, they've done a lot to try and, take the economy down. The economy hasn't come down as much as they'd probably like it to. So employment trends are still quite strong. Housing is collapsing, unfortunately. And we've seen some ripples in other parts of the, the economy, like crypto and things like that, that have really come unhinged. But the thing that kind of gets me um, a little bit concerned is that this yield curve that we talk about, you know, the difference between short-term rates and long-term rates is, is normally um, balanced by the fact that long-term rates are usually higher than short-term rates, but now our short-term rates are above long-term rates, so we have this inverted yield curve. How, how worried are you about that as it relates to the outlook for a recession next year? That's a great point, George. I think that uh, an inverted yield curve and a sustained inverted yield curve, which would be at least 10 days of an inversion, is what uh, the market looks at. When you talk about the two-year and the 10-year, the two-year having higher yields than the 10-year, that's been inverted for a while, and that's pointed towards a recessionary signal. Uh, historically, that's what's happened in the past where we've seen the inversion and we see a recession happening about six to 18 months after that. So we've had an inverted uh, twos and tens uh, yield curve for a while. Uh, the Fed has really pointed towards the three month and the 10 year. And that had been upward sloping uh, for a while. And so it's kind of allowed the Fed to say, okay, we have time to really have a soft landing. That three month and 10 year uh, curve has now also inverted. Uh, we're about six or seven days right now in that inversion. So that's going to be a sustained inversion as well. And when the three-month and the 10-year invert, uh, your recession scenario becomes uh, even more imminent than when a two-year and a 10-year inverts. So now you're talking three to six months from now, a recessionary signal there. And I think the Fed is looking at that. I think it, it has a lot of merit. Um, we've been seeing our clients looking at the short end and saying, why would you go further on the curve when you're getting less yield? So something is broken, and I think that broken uh, part of the yield curve really points towards a recession that's blooming. So at the same time, not to contradict myself and contradict you, but maybe I'll flip it over to Steve because I'd love to get his take on this. I mean, we 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 see these things that kind of give us some signals that things um, may not be what they appear, 
there is a model, it's a model, it's not really a survey, it's not really any hard data, but there's a model that the Atlanta Fed puts together called a Nowcast, GDP Nowcast more specifically, which gives, uh, it takes a, a lot of different indicators to try and extrapolate where the economy is today, how fast is the economy growing or, or shrinking today. And that number actually came up uh, again this week, it was revised higher. So I think the last time I looked, uh, GDP for Q4 is expected to grow over 4%, which is you know quite extraordinary. Just a few quarters ago, we're talking about the economy actually contracting. So we're going 4% uh, according to this model. Retail sales uh, were really quite quite upbeat. So we saw the consumer spending um, remain intact. Maybe they're getting ahead of the holiday shopping season and, and uh, taking advantage of, of discounts. But you know, at the same time, Steve, we've seen a couple of high-profile retailers talk about profit margins being under pressure, uh, excess inventory. So what's your read through with respect to the consumer and maybe kind of what's happening with some retailers um, that are really kind of front and center this week? Well, with two, a couple points there, George. So first with the retailers, uh, I, I think we have to really be careful about making a read through to the overall general economic picture based on what we're seeing come out of, you know, uh, uh, in, in, in particular this last week, Target. Um, but it's not Target specific. It goes across the retail industry. What we've seen is over the last six months, there's been a tremendous mismatch between what consumers want to buy and what purchasing managers at major retail operations in the United States uh, stocked for uh, their companies to put on the shelves. Um, basically, they, they bet on a, uh, a change in consumer behavior post-pandemic as people adapted to a new normal, and the new normal didn't turn out to be what the purchasing managers at these companies thought they were going to be. So they've been stuck with a bunch of inventory, and uh, they're, they're cycling through it. And, um, you know, I think we're going to, it's going to continue to be a, a, a rough road to hoe for them uh, for the next quarter or so until they can get that stuff flushed out through the system. Um, retail sales in particular, when you look at it from a macro level, I also think we got to be careful there because retail sales are reported nominally. If you look at them on an inflation adjusted basis, they've gone literally nowhere for nine months. So uh, I think think that that that's that's the second point I wanted to make, and then to to touch back on Rajiv's comments about the the recession scenario, you know, when the when the three month ten year spread flipped, that that really caught my attention because it puts it it truly puts the the time frame uh, in in a a much more near term scenario for a recession. Um, you know, the average historically has been 11 months after that curve inverts. You've got a six-month standard deviation window around that. So theoretically, it could be anywhere from, you know, say like March, April next year to um, to March, April the, the following year in 2024. Um, and the real question for equity investors is, where is it going to be within that window? I think the consensus believes we're going to have a recession. The question is where within that window is it going to occur? Because if it's at the front end of the window, it's going to be a really difficult market for equity investors for the next three to six months. If it's at the back end of the window and uh, equity markets get giddy again based on the idea of there being a pivot at some point, 
then the next three to six months could be really great for equity investors, but then the back end of next year could be a nightmare as they as they adjust to a recessionary scenario. So like, I, I think we've got a very difficult environment to try to navigate right now based on what's what's coming out of the policy prognosticators at the top at the at, at the top of the uh, top of the house so to speak yeah so I, I think that's probably true and I think again we, we've got kind of a balanced view of risk in general right now which probably supports what you just said Steve where uh, the next three to six months and even the six to 12 month outlook is a little bit murkier I do think though that you know longer term there's a, also a story out this week that caught my attention which is that we now have 8 billion people on this planet, which is just staggering to think about. Uh, we've gone from 7 to 8 billion in 12 years. The numbers are supposed to slow down a little bit, but the growth outlook is still pretty decent. So that actually on a longer term basis, if you take a really long term view, suggests there's reason to be optimistic. But I guess the bottom line for me, and we'll kind of close it out here before we wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving, is that I think assets are generally cheaper. I mean, that's one thing we can probably say categorically. You don't know exactly where we're going to be 12 months from, from now, but going into this, asset prices are cheaper, meaning stock valuations are less demanding. And we've actually got income and fixed income again. So for that reason, I guess I would think that there's still reason to be invested. You want to stay balanced with your approach to risk, we think, right now. The range of outcomes, as you mentioned, both Steve and Rajiv, is probably wider. So diversification is really needed more than ever. And with that, I wish everybody a really happy Thanksgiving and a great, uh, great long week with your families. Well, gentlemen, thanks for the insightful conversation today. So George, Steve, and Rajiv, we appreciate your thoughts. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. And as always, past performance is no guarantee of future results. And we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or financial advisor for more information, and we'll catch up with you in two weeks after we return from Thanksgiving to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of a collection of financial professionals representing key entities, including Key Private Bank, Key Bank Institutional Advisors, Key Private Client, and Key Investment Services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by Key Bank National Association, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Key Private Bank and Key Bank Institutional Advisors are part of Key Bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services LLC or KISS, member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp, Insurance Agency USA, Incorporated, or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with Key Bank. Investment and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. KeyBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2022.